Hey everyone, how you doing? This is Amon Green, Green Bay Packers all-time leading rusher, and you're listening to The Average Cheese, hosted by Dell and Todd, two lifelong Packer fans talking about their favorite team, the 13-time champion, Green Bay Packers. Go Pack Go! He turned 32 yesterday. Does he have a vintage moment in in the end zone? It is caught for the win. So welcome to episode 69 of the Average Cheese Podcast. I'm Dale Lobel. Peter is with me today. No Todd. Todd, when we see you again, hope things are well. Merry Christmas to you. And Merry Christmas to you, even though it's, uh, I don't even know what today is. Happy New Year. What the fuck? It's the 28th of December, 2021. Merry 28th of December. Yeah. Good to see you. How are you today? Yeah, doing good. Doing good. Taking it easy as always and just doing well. It's that weird week between Christmas and New Year's where nothing gets done, right? It's kind of like a lull in in the world. It's weird because I drove the wrestling practice today at like nine o'clock. There's traffic everywhere. Like, what are you people doing? You know, are you going shopping? What are you doing? Returning your stuff? It was weird. Anyway, so episode 69, Peter. Last week, it was Gail Gillingham. Who is it today? It can be nobody other than David Bakhtiari, can it? You know, three-time pro bowler, two-time first-team all-pro, a couple of second-team all-pros added to that. One of the best, if not the best, left tackles in the in the league that we unfortunately haven't seen this year. Another one of those guys that the Packers picked up in the middle rounds, round four in 2013. Another one of those offensive linemen that's developed into a mainstay of this Packers era, a bit like Mark Tauscher did earlier on and Bakhtiari is on that extra extra super level great player as we as we well know who who we sorely miss hoping to get him back no matter when it is because they're beyond left tackle number 69 in in a hurry I saw Ben Braden was out with COVID my gosh yeah this is the first current player we have ever had but he's the best 69 in Packer history I think I don't think it's really all that close and if he stays with the Packers for another four or five years and plays at that same level, there's no question that this is a David Bakhtiari episode. Wasn't he? Didn't he play at Colorado? Yeah, he did. He's one of those guys that slipped down to the middle rounds because he didn't quite have the arm length, didn't quite have the size. Yeah, six foot four, you're typically looking for six, five and a half, six, six, that yeah. kind of. So, so he's just short of those kind of measurables. Yeah, he's proved that those measurables aren't the be all and end all. They're not necessary if you're, if you're a great player. You know, you look at Yash Nyman, too, and I know going off track, but if you look at Yash Nyman, Yash Nyman is an athletic-looking guy. And I would say David Bakhtiari is also an athletic-looking guy. You know, some linemen, you see them five years after they're done playing, and they've lost like 60 pounds, and they look like a normal human again. I don't see David Bakhtiari like shrinking down in size as much. I think this is the size body he is, and he's a very yeah. athletic guy. And that kind of athleticism is what you're looking for in that left tackle to deal with those speed rushes. Very lucky to have him. Absolutely. So thanks to Dwight at ddgcustoms.com, and thanks to Ron and all, Rhonda and all the folks at RNM Management. You can find us on Twitter, as you know, at AVG Cheese. And again, Todd's not here, but he has done a great job with the social media. We are now to like 810 followers. 
You can find us on Facebook. You can email us, abgcheese at gmail.com. And folks have been, so that's cool. Maybe next time we'll do a couple of like question answer things, questions we've got from folks. All right, let's get on with the slices. What do you think about the Arizona Cardinals at this point? Are they a contender or a pretender in the Super Bowl race? Right now, they feel like more of a pretender than a contender. In a way, it's similar to the Steelers from last year who jumped out to that. I can't remember what they were. Steelers were like 11 and 0 or something last year and then, you know, started to fall apart. And, and the Cardinals have got a little bit of that same feel about them. But what I will say with, with these teams is sometimes it only takes one win or even one play to turn these things around. Because I don't think teams suddenly overnight become a bad team. And while you can win some games through luck, you don't win a lot of games through luck, they're clearly struggling. And you, and you have to feel like the Rams are now in the driving seat to win that division, which means you know the Cardinals are going to end up with a, with a wild card. Probably the f- the first wild card in the NFC. I'm trying to think off the top of, off the top of my head. Yeah, no, I think right now more of a pretender than contender, but we'll see. JJ Watt went out early, but they won a ton of games without JJ Watt, so yep. it's not like it. That's the reason they all of a sudden haven't hit a huge amount of injuries or anything like that. They're still a pretty talented roster. They can't run it though. Like James Conner was kind of, I don't know. He doesn't impress me as a running back. I, I think he's okay. I don't know. We'll see, I guess. With them. And, and, and I guess if you're a little bit one-dimensional, that will carry you so far. But eventually teams catch up with that. You know, if, if Kyler Murray isn't 100% Kyler Murray on any, on any given day, you feel like they're not going to win. Also in NFL news, New Orleans from week one to week 16 – What a turn of events for that team. New Orleans Saints fans, after week one, had to be thinking, we're going to go to a Super Bowl. We just beat the rails off the Packers, 38-3, a team that was in the NFC Championship game and arguably, if not the best team in the NFC last year, we just whipped them. And now in week 16, who did they play? Ian Book or something like that at quarterback. I get it. Lose your quarterback, that's going to be a problem. Almost every NFL team. But they just look terrible. At no point did I think they were going to win that game, even with Alvin Kamara, who is a great player. Yeah, and you know, you now hark back to Week One, and you have to clearly say, and we would say this as Packers fans, but you have to clearly say that the Saints didn't beat the Packers. The Packers beat themselves on that day for what for whatever reason. Lack of preparation, I think, certainly had something to do with it, or it felt like that with none of the starters playing in the preseason. But yeah, I mean, the Saints have gone through quarterbacks like there's no tomorrow. And, you know, that's unfortunate. But I also think that yeah, if Jameis Winston's your man, I think that having Taysom Hill as your backup quarterback, I mean, that guy gives you a heck of a lot all over the field. You can line him up anywhere and he can do lots of things and he can give you gadget plays and you can line him up wide and you, and you can run him whatever, whatever else. But that's not the same as being a starting quarterback in the NFL. And we've seen those kind of guys in the past, even going back to like, the Steelers of the 90s with Cordell Stewart, who was a good player, super athlete, decent quarterback, but your quarterback's got to be your quarterback in my in my view. And I'm a bit, a bit of a traditionalist about, about that. And then and then like you say, you know, they unfortunately, you know, they had to start because of COVID and whatever else, they had to start Ian Book last night. Decent quarterback at Notre Dame, not a guy that you would expect to come in and and you know set the world on fire. Also 
probably hasn't practiced very much, probably wouldn't have taken hardly any reps in, in practice. So everything's, everything's going against you there. And, and they just, I think it's more the manner of the way that, as you described, it just felt like that they never believed that they could win that game last night against the Dolphins. You know, and the Dolphins were on a nice run, but they're not a pulverizing football team, in my view. But it just looked like almost from the opening kickoff, the Saints never believed that they could win. Totally agree. If I'm Sean Payton, anyone within that organization, Taysom Hill is my third quarterback, not my second. Because you need Ian Book or whoever it is to get actual reps in a football game as the quarterback. Knowing that you can bring Taysom Hill in to run the football, throw a gadget play, or do whatever it is. That's what his strength is, isn't it? Yes. But he can't be taking number two quarterback reps from a kid or a guy that's going to actually play in the game full time if something happens to Jameis Winston. And if he's that Swiss Army knife player, you can keep him on the roster, unlike most teams who wouldn't keep a third quarterback on the roster, because then he's tight end, H back, whatever you want to call him. You know, you, he can play all over. I don't think it's a waste of a space on the 53 man roster on any given Sunday. They're just terrible. What you said is 100% right. It felt like they didn't think they were going to win from the opening kickoff. And that game was, it was terrible to watch. What do they call it? The CDC? Yeah. The CDC now has new COVID guidelines. And the NFL immediately jumped on that bandwagon and said, five days for vaccinated players, they can come back. So that helps a lot because COVID is killing teams yeah. right now, including... Yeah. The Packers. I saw that Mercedes Lewis and Oren Burks both put on the COVID list today. I think four players went on the list, four or five went on the list yesterday. Yeah, and there were already a couple on them. Um, MVS was already on the COVID list. Hopefully he'll come off this week. Problem with it is that it's hitting, you know, we saw it with the Browns a couple of weeks ago. They had 22 players on the list. I think the Saints had 22 players on the list last night. And I think that because it's hitting teams all at once. So all of a sudden you're going from one or two players to 15 or 20 players because there's an out because there's a, obviously an outbreak and the current variant being seemingly more transmissible that, that the situation's not going to get better. And the fear is, you know, so the Packers didn't practice today because of, or I understand it to be because of the recent outbreaks. They didn't want to risk any more players going on the COVID list. Totally, mm-hmm. totally understandable. So everything they did was by video call by Zoom. But also that affects you as well. You know, you can't do everything that you need to do via Zoom. So yeah, I mean, it's really hitting the hitting the league all over. And you just hope for, certainly as Packers fans, we hope that it doesn't hit the Packers. But you hope for any team that it doesn't hit the team, particularly when they get to the playoffs. Because it would be a disaster, wouldn't it? Three days before the Super Bowl, for example. Yeah. A team suddenly puts has to put 22 players on the COVID list. Yeah, that is now going to affect how teams do things going forward. Right. Yeah. The Packers are going to have to figure things out, aren't they? And every team that has a Super Bowl run in them, that's going to affect what they do. It's going to change the game, right? The Browns, the Saints, whoever has that many guys go on the COVID list in a week, you can't recover from that. I mean, the Packers, we talked about it last week, are on left tackle number three. And, you know, I mean, you get to left tackle number five, and it's a player that you don't want out there. And finally, on a sad note, John Madden, iconic NFL coach passed away today. Peter and I were talking before we started recording. I don't know what the age is where you wouldn't know John Madden, the coach. 
and you just know him as John Madden, the name on the video game. I would say if you're under 30, you might struggle to know who John Madden is unless you're a, a big NFL history guy. Great coach. Yeah. Great, great coach. And of course, our generation, when I first started following the game, was right at the end of his coaching with the Raiders. And of course, our generation just remembers him as he was Mr. NFL, was he, as a color commentator. Nobody like him at the time, and there's not been anybody like him since. And it was his enthusiasm for the game that came across and it came across to everybody and enthused those that were listening to him. A, because just of the way that he was, the way that he spoke, but also he knew, obviously knew what he was talking about as well. You know, we looked at the Packers of the, of the 90s, you know, and he liked Frankie Winners and he liked Gilbert Brown and he liked Brett Favre and he, he liked character guys is what, I'm, is what I'm trying to say. It was that enthusiasm coupled with the knowledge that he had that just was, was, just, was just John Madden. As you said, Hall of Fame coach. You know, 10 years with the Raiders, won a Super Bowl with Kenny Stabler, a quarterback or what have you, and loved the history of the game. That obviously enamors him to, to those of us that love the history of the game too. And, you know, there's a great story that has a Packers connection that it, as a young coach, he went to watch Vince Lombardi give a presentation about the power sweep. Madden, as a, as a young coach, pretty much thought he knew, well, I know everything, I I get in the auditorium and I sit right at the back and I don't really listen and whatever else. And he, and he thinks he's going to be there, I guess, for about an hour as Vince talks about the power sweep. Well, Vince talked for eight hours straight about the power sweep. But I think he had a break after four hours, went and got a cup of tea and came back. And Madden just couldn't believe it. He told that story quite often that how, how that influenced. You know, I thought I knew a lot about the game until I sat there and listened to Vince Lombardi talk about one play for eight hours, and I suddenly realized I didn't know anything. That influenced Madden a lot, and uh, sad for us to, for him to pass on, obviously for his family and friends and stuff, but I think sad for us that even though he's retired from commentating, there was something special about what he did in the commentary booth and the, and the way he came across, and certainly a part of the NFL, which will never be forgotten. Super Bowl Thirty One was Pat Summerall and John Madden, commentating on on that game and you know I, I think we won't ever forget that you know I was thinking as you were talking that John Madden with his game changed the way the NFL was looked at but I also think that the booth and commentators and sports mouthpieces or whatever you want to call them were able to change the way they do, did things because of John Madden, John Madden with his boom and all that kind of stuff. Like just, he talked like the common man. And while I love to listen yeah. to Tony Romo and Tony Romo is a freaking smart guy, right? Like he always seems to know what the play is. There's also something to be said for a commentator who speaks to the common person. And John Madden did that. He made yeah. football sound like, like we could understand it. You know, the common guy could understand it. So I think he laid the way for like the Chris Bermans of the world and the Stuart Scotts, just guys like that who would rest in peace to him. Let's move on to some Packers talk. Truth be told, I only got to watch a little bit of this game. Marcy and I had to go to the bar in Sheboygan to watch <laughs> the game. There was not a whole lot open on Christmas Day. I know that's going to shock you. Even in Wisconsin, not too many bars were open. Packers 24, Browns 22. Let's just get into it. Thoughts on the good offensively? The, the offense was solid first half. Clearly did enough in the first half, put enough points on the board in the first half to just about 
sealed the game. Opening drive of the second half was good. It drove down for a field goal. It felt like the offense was just good enough. Good to see, obviously, Aaron Rodgers break Brett Favre's touchdown pass record, Packers' touchdown pass record. Nice in a way that Alan Lazard was the guy, but almost an unheralded guy that caught that great play that he made on that. It's one of those games where it's difficult. It was the offense solid. I think Rodgers' numbers, particularly in the first half, were very efficient. You know, passer rating was well above 100, 110, 115, I think he ended up with. So it was efficient and effective without being overly exciting, I think would be the way of describing it for me. Yeah, and Devontae Adams was Devontae Adams, 10 catches, 114 yards, two touchdowns. Like, that just seems like a whole hum, like this is what you do. If you don't triple team him like the Ravens tried to, that man's going to go off. It's just that simple. He was never sacked. I think that's my good. Aaron Rodgers was never sacked in this game behind a mess of an offensive line. Who's the Packers line coach? Stenovich? Adam Stenovich? Adam Stenovich, that- yeah. He needs to get paid. Because... <laughs> He is doing a phenomenal job with that offensive line. You're pulling guys out of the footlocker, you know, to play left tackle and to play right tackle. It's it's crazy. But that was a good for me. Packers also ran for 4.5 yards per carry. So there were a couple good things. The first half was very solid. It wasn't the Dak Prescott, like 400 yards in the first half, like he did against Washington, but it, it was good enough. You scored 21 points in the first half. You got to be feeling pretty good about things. And then the second half hit. So that's the bad. I think that, you know, the opening drive of the second half, 76 yards, I think. I can't remember, 15 plays, 76 yards, something like that. Drove down for a field goal, which was a nice start to the second half. You always want to punch it in, but field goal's a nice start. And then after that, the offense just seemed to disappeared, really. I think the last four drives, I think they ran 15 plays for 31 yards, something like that on the last four drives and it's difficult to you know totally put your finger on what was going on there I mean Devontae Adams dropped two passes on the last on the last drive it's really unlike him and never really got the the running game going but it was again kind of good enough definitely a game of two halves offensively and, and I think that because the second half offense struggled not on the field very long it led to the defense being on the field for a long time in this in the second half and so you know, that kind of complimentary football thing wasn't quite working in the second half. I just thought of this as you were talking. I think it was last year you said, and I can't remember what game it was. I want to say it was the Jacksonville game last year where you were like, if the halves were flipped, then you're like, wow, the Packers got it going. If you flip these halves and they score three in the first half and 21 in the second half, everybody's happy that they came back and yeah. won this game. So I try to keep it in perspective. Like, yeah. okay. They only scored 24 points. They were terrible in the second half offensively. And right. I don't know. You know, people on Twitter were like, oh, by the play calling. Yeah, maybe there's something to it. But there's also an execution thing. And they're like you said with Devontae Adams. So if you flip the halves, you're happy with this game. But because yeah. it was all in the first half, you're not. Yeah. And, and I think that's why with, you know, lots of football games, you have to try and take things. If you can try and take things as a totality, just as you've described, you can have the same score and the same plays in a different order and you feel a lot better about it. And it, it's a bizarre, it's a thing, you know, it, it's almost like that game against the Bears three or four years ago when Rogers got injured in the first half and they came back and won that game in the second half. And you thought, Fantastic is this. But the Packers only beat the Bears by six points or whatever it was that day. But it's just the way the almost the way the game ends. The second half, you kind of 
almost feels more emphasis on how you feel coming out of the game. But yeah, you know, 24 points is going to win most games in, in even in today's NFL. It's right, right at that kind of mark. Overall, solid and sound without being spectacular and dynamic. To go with the ugly, because I feel like this is ugly. First drive of the second half, we're rolling. We get the ball back. I thought we were going to score a touchdown, and this game is now essentially out of hand. They kick a field goal. Okay, fine. The next three drives, three and out, three and out, five and out, kneel down drive. 15 plays, 31 yards. You're going to lose most games if you do that. And the Browns are a pretty good football team, so you have to keep that in perspective too. But you cannot have an entire half of football going down the stretch like that again because you're not going to win that game about 90% of the time. Let's move on to defense. I'm so sad that Todd is not here. He will listen (laughs) and he will hear this, but Rashawn Gary, two sacks, inching closer to 10. And it was great on that second one too because it looked like he was only going to get a half sack out of that, but no one else touched him but Rashawn Gary. So full sack for Rashawn Gary, 1.5 in the next two games. Man, I'm hoping that happens. What else? Razul Douglas, I saw a quote. From Aaron Rodgers. I think it was, I don't remember. It was on Twitter because that's where I get all my information. Aaron Rodgers said something about Razul Douglas, like he has changed the locker room or he has changed the way the Packers play, something like that. That is an amazing statement for a guy that was getting cut by bad teams. You wonder then what did the Texans or the Raiders or the Cardinals? not seeing Razul Douglas that the Packers did. Now, granted, he ha- he kind of got forced out there, right? Like he, a bunch of injuries, the whole thing with Jair Alexander, maybe that just pushed him into the lineup and they were like, well, you got to go out there and let's see what you do because Kevin King is so fucking bad. Yeah, it was the first time I cussed him. Well, I think you're right about opportunity. I mean, when, when a guy, say, his previous teams is, the 50th guy on the roster or whatever, you know, he's, he's number five or six cornerback on the depth chart. And all they ever pretty much see of him is what they see in practice and, and some special teams hardly ever gets out on the field on, on defense. Those are the guys that you're always looking to almost move on from, aren't you? Looking to get the next guy. Can I get a guy that's slightly better than that? And, and so I think that getting the opportunity has been the thing that has given him the, the opportunity. That's a silly thing to say. But it is, it, 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 he had the opportunity is, for the opportunity, yeah. Absolutely. But, it, but, it, but it's taking that opportunity, isn't it? It's like you say, when you're forced out there, whether it's injuries or whatever it is, it's taking that opportunity. And he's just literally grasped that opportunity with, with two hands. And guys that are around... NFL teams and other teams keep picking them up, even though they get cut from one team. They've clearly got something. A guy isn't a draft pick in the NFL if they if they don't see something in it. And clearly, with the opportunities brought out, it's just I know he's just a super super player. And given the Packers what they haven't always had, and that's great hands and actually turning those plays into interceptions. It's one thing if you knock those balls down, which is great. You know, five interceptions over the course of seven or eight weeks, whatever it is, is it's just exceptional. And, and, you know, if you win the turnover battle, and the Packers won it four to nothing this week, if you win the turnover battle, you win most football games. And so those turnovers, no matter how much the other team may be moving the ball on you, 
you get those turnovers, you win football games, and, and he's done that. Jerry Gray said that Razul Douglas spends a lot of time in the film room. And then I heard a quote from Razul Douglas saying, I know when I can take my chances. That's a guy studying film. On yep. this play with this defensive alignment against this offensive alignment, I know I can take a chance here because I've got safety help or I've yeah. got whatever, like that is clearly a man who studies his craft and does his outside of the field work. He said something like, I tell the safety, I'm going to take a chance on this one or whatever. I, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. I was thinking, man, that is going to carry over. Eric Stokes is going to start doing this. I know we talked about this in a previous podcast, but Eric Stokes will start to study film. If Jair Alexander, as great as he is, spends more time in the film room with guys like Razul Douglas, who don't have the physical skills that Jair has, that's everything. Athletic and smart is a combination that, you know, you'll take all day long, especially with those guys in the defensive back room, because they're your last line of defense. The fact that they've been able to minimize the loss of Jair Alexander, which has pretty much been for the whole season, give or take two or three games, that they've been able to minimize that loss says a heck of a lot about the way that Rizal Douglas in particular has played. 100%. And on that same note, Devondre Campbell just keeps double-digit tackles every every game. And again, it's ho-hum. Devondre Campbell had 13 tackles or whatever he had against Cleveland. He does it every week. 12 and, solo and, tackles. And he's so disciplined. You know, watching particularly in, in the past game, and you see the back slip out into the flat, you know, and Campbell's right there. So he may give up the reception, but he's making the tackle for two or three yards. That's it. And, and he's so sure, such a sure tackler, but just such a disciplined player. You know, it's another one of those guys that just, how on earth do you manage to pick up those guys? Horses for courses and, op- and opportunities. You know what I like about him that I, Really, I've started to see on screen and, and process a bit. He takes a couple steps up. He doesn't do that Blake Martinez where I stand there seven yards back and read the play from there. He kind of comes up into things and gets into the wash a little bit, and he's still able to go out and make those plays that you just talked about. So he's making those plays for two yards or three yards instead of for seven yards. Devondre Campbell is tackling him for a short game. Absolutely, and, and you know, you talked about the film study of Razul Douglas. And I, don't, and I don't know what kind of film study guy Devondre Campbell is, but you get the impression that he has to be a film study guy because he diagnoses those plays and he diagnoses his responsibility in, in each of those plays so quickly. Anything defensively bad you thought of? You worry a little bit about the number of rushing yards that they gave up, which I think was more than 200. In a one-game scenario, I'm not overly concerned about that now there's a little bit of a pattern in recent weeks about giving up more rushing us but this is the cleveland browns who can run the football on on anybody and let's make no bones about it nick chubb is one of the premier running backs in this league there's no argument about that the guy's got more than five yards per carry across his career which is now a career that's beginning to stretch a number of years so this isn't just a one-off five yards per carry and a good receiving back as well by the way so I, I'm, I'm not as concerned as I think some people have been about the amount of rushing yards given up. Now, I think my thing there is tempered by the fact that ultimately they got four turnovers on defense. So I don't care how many yards you give up if you get four, if you get four turnovers. So that would be the kind of the question mark for me on defense would be about, around their ability to stop the run. But it's just based on that one game. My bad is my guy, Kenny Clark, had a real quiet game. 
didn't do anything of real big impact in this game. The Packers had four picks, five sacks. Kenny Clark wasn't in on any of those. I just felt like, you know, he's coming off of COVID, wasn't he? Yeah. So maybe that affected him. You know, of course it did. But he had a real quiet game. And the long drives was a real concern. I'll just go on to the ugly. What you just talked about for me, that was ugly. So I have a different perspective on that. I'm with you on Nick Chubb being a great back. And the Browns are built to run the football. So, yes, they're going to run for a lot of yards. But he averaged 7.4 yards per carry. That's obscene. That's college Alabama versus University of Louisiana Lafayette type numbers. You know what I mean? Like that's a that's a huge stat. And worse than that, he had 8.7 yards per play because he had a long catch in this game, too. You can't allow that. Again, play the Vikings, probably without Dalvin Cook. We'll talk about that later. But there aren't too many teams that are going to do that to you. But you worry that that off-tackle play that they ran is something that other teams are going to replicate going forward. Because I think it kind of leads to the what we talked about last week, the whole 3-4, that guard-tackle hole, because of the way the Packers play and the personnel we have. You can run out that guard tackle hole against the Packers. It's the it's the running back instead of the quarterback, but it's the same hole that they're running through. So that's my ugly. I think the difficulty we have is is that as soon as a team runs on the Packers, we hark back to that <laughs> NFC Championship game against the 49ers. Sure, but I just had a little I, tick when you said that. <laughs> <laughs> Nervous tick. <laughs> I'm a great believer in in horses for courses and game and game situations. Did they run? 219 yards or whatever it was because the, the Packers went into cover two and, and almost allowed them some rush, rushing yards uh, on the basis that we knew that Baker was going to throw eventually. I don't know. So I'm tempering some disappointment, but there is some concern, yeah. Special teams-wise, there's no ugly to speak of this week. That was so <laughs> nice. It's so refreshing. Cleveland's longest yeah. return was 28 yards. Hallelujah. Anything that's not 30 or more, I'll take it all day long. And unfortunately, again, Todd's not here to talk about Mason Crosby. was perfect once again and did have a touchback in this game, by the way. And Wigglebutt Bajorca is 47 yards per punt. Just a really good all-around game from the special teams. I mean, we'll take it. Yeah, and that's what we need going for the remaining five games that the Packers will play this this season. That's, yeah. uh, that's, that's just the special teams performance we need. doesn't have to be spectacular. No, just, just don't lose the game. Yeah. Right. Exactly right. Anything else about the Packers-Browns game before we move on to preview the Vikings? Don't think so. All right. So Vikings-Packers, I've heard a lot of revenge game type stuff. You know, when you're 12 and 3 or whatever the Packers are, there's there's no revenge game. I've said that many times in, in the past. If you're a better team, you shouldn't have to worry about revenge. You shouldn't need to motivate yourself. Your only motivation, if you're the Green Bay Packers, is we want the number one seed in the playoffs. We want to play home games all the way through. You're playing the Vikings, but that's just another step on the road. That's kind of how I look at that. And I agree with that 100%. Next team up, whoever it is. Yeah, beat, we're going to whip beat, your ass. Beat them and, 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 move, and move on. I think the revenge thing is more... The media, media thing. Media and whatever talk. But I, I, think for, I think for the team, and I'm sure that this is how... Matt LaFleur plays it with the team. It's they're just they just happen to be the next team up, beat them and move on. I mean, we know the Vikings well. We've talked about them a million times. They're 
offensive and defensive personnel hasn't changed much in the last two years. It's still Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, Alexander Madison, if that happens to be the guy. Like, those are the guys. And I have beat up on Kirk Cousins, so I'm going to take this opportunity to say that Kirk Cousins is having a great season. He's not being talked about in the MVP race because the Vikings are seven and eight or whatever it is that they are. But Kirk Cousins statistics are on par with Aaron Rodgers for the most part. Kirk Cousins has 3,971 yards passing, 30 touchdowns, seven interceptions, only seven interceptions for him. That is a spectacular year. Whereas Aaron Rodgers has like 3,650, 33 passing touchdowns and four interceptions. I mean, they're playing at almost the same level. So I'm going to give a little love to Kirk Cousins, who I don't usually give love to. I think the Vikings are a team who are better than their record. And I know, you know, there's the old saying, well, you are what your record says you are. But I think when you look at the games that the Vikings have lost, you know, three points to, I think we talked about this actually when we were previewing the previous Vikings game, but, you know, they lost by three points to Cincinnati, one point to Arizona, seven points to Cleveland, four points to the Cowboys, three points to Baltimore. So every one of those teams is a playoff contender, if not, will make the playoffs seven points to the Rams so those are all one score or less defeats which if you just turn around a couple of those makes a huge difference to the season now they did lay the big egg by losing to the Lions a couple of weeks ago which is you have to beat teams like the Lions the way the Lions are right now but I think generally speaking yeah this is a Vikings team that's uh, that on any given day is at least going to run the best teams in the NFL very close I'm a big fan of Dalvin Cook even though he can't stay healthy, he always yeah. seems to have something going on. That guy's really a talented back. You talked about yes, Nick Chubb. I would say that Dalvin Cook is probably more athletic than Nick Chubb and could do more if he could keep himself on the field. They do have that backup in Alexander Madison, yeah. who I think also is a great back. I'd take the Packers 1-2 over the Vikings 1-2 any day, but I would say Alexander Madison is a good player. Sorry, and that offense as a whole. You know, they can run the football with those guys, throw the football with Jefferson and Thielen. That's a very balanced offense that that can beat teams both ways, as it were. It's no pushover and never is any pushover against against the Vikings. That's a football team that's still contending for a playoff place, despite losing all of those games by a score or less. It's a decent football team. I wouldn't want to play them in the playoffs because in a one game scenario, you don't know. They can score 35 easily with that team. And if you can't score, outscore them. That being said, Mike Zimmer is supposed to be a defensive-minded coach, and their defense is terrible. 29th in yards per game, 26th in yards per play, 28th in rushing yards allowed, 26th in passing yards allowed, 25th in points allowed, bottom third in everything. (laughs) It really is. And you you just feel like, you say this almost every week, but you just feel like the Packers can come out move the ball on their first drive, score, maybe score again on their second drive. And I know you're asking a lot, but it, but you just kind of feel like it's a team that you could get on top of quite quickly. By that, I don't mean you're necessarily going to put them away because of their offensive firepower that they that they do have. But you just feel like this is a team that the, the Packers have the potential if they're firing on all cylinders, and that's an if, but if they're firing on all cylinders to move the ball up and down the field all day, almost at will. They should. After reading or hearing those numbers, you'd think they should be able to. And that's the thing that the Packers are also not going to be out in this game, even if they're down, 
because they should be able to move the football at some point, even if they get stopped once in a while. So I was a big Dalvin Tomlinson to the Packers guy before the season. I thought he would be a great addition to the Green Bay Packers. At this point in the season, Dean Lowry has double the amount of sacks that Dalvin Tomlinson has and double the amount of solo tackles. If I would have asked myself, like, hey, Dale, would you ever rather have Dean Lowry or Dalvin Tomlinson? You know, there would have been no question. I would have been kicking yep. Dean Lowry's sorry ass out the room to try to get rid of him. But Dalvin Tomlinson hasn't done anything. Patrick Peterson hasn't done anything. They went out and got some big splash name guys that should have helped that defense. And they're worse than they were last year. It's almost subtraction by addition. And yeah, and, and that's something that you always have to be careful of with any, with any team. You know, those free agents don't always work out. Stuff starts to upset an apple cart. Whatever it is that causes it, sometimes you go from being middle of the pack and you want to make all these changes. And rather than going up, you start falling down. And it's difficult to bring a lot of guys in at the same time and, and make those changes. And I guess there's sometimes there's something to be said for the for the Dean Lowry's of this world. As a great example of a player who's been... Much better this year than he, at least in my view, than he's been in previous years. And it's just been one of those solid guys who doesn't get a huge amount of kudos in, in the media or on Twitter or social media generally, but has just been one of those solid guys that every winning team has to have. Daniel Hunter going out a couple of weeks ago, that's a huge loss. It for is. Them. You got to find that next man up. They haven't been able to find that next man up. After Daniel Hunter went out, there's no guy in the wings that's going to produce, essentially. Any other thoughts about the Vikings before we give a score prediction? No. All right. You want me to go first or you want to go first? You go You go first. This All one. right. So I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. I think that the Packers are going to have to outscore the Vikings, and I think they will. I think they will win this game 35-31. Well, my score was so close to that one. I thought you were almost going to say it. <laughs> I got I got the Packers thirty four thirty one. Okay, and exact, thinking exactly the same as as you. I think there's going to be a lot of yards, a lot of scoring, maybe the occasional turnover. Let's hope Packers are on the plus side of that turnover notch. But yeah, sounds like we're thinking a very very similar game. So I guess that's it. Thanks for listening to episode sixty nine, the David Bakhtiari episode of the Average Cheese. Go pack, go. Go pack, go.